Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Welcome to Behind the Goals. Today, Andrew and I are going to be talking to Laura Fox. Laura is on the board of Club 1872, uh, who are the second largest shareholder at Rangers. Um, we're going to talk about the journey that they've been on since they were formed in 20, uh, 2016, um, how they've got to the position where, they, where they're the second largest shareholder and what the future holds for them. Really interesting conversation with uh, Laura. Good to find out a bit more about Club 1872 as well. Previously, we've had some dealings with Rangers First and, and um, the Rangers Supports Trust before that. So I, what I really love about Club 1872 is the, the just the democratisation of fans having a vote and how they're going to spend their contributions. Often, you know, if a supporters trust, you elect the board and you have the faith in what the board are doing and how they're going to spend the money. But, you know, just the level of... Um, involvement you can have in your contribution is just very interesting yeah. and and i think as well i think we touch upon it but the relevance it has to support a, a going to ibrox on a saturday in fact it's not just buying shares but it's investing in projects around the community that's right giving giving supporters an opportunity to you know give their financial support to a number of different things under one uh under one umbrella organization mm. um so it's not all things to all people but it's uh it's not just a single issue organization mm. So mm-hmm. and uh, through their structure, they're setting up a really positive relationship with the club in order to effect change um, that will um, appeal to uh, a really broad section of the Rangers support. So here we go, Laura. Thank you very much for joining us on the Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. Behind thank the you. goals. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming to our little office as well, all the way out here in Falkirk. So um, firstly, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and Club Eighteen Seventy Two and how it came to be as it is. Yep. Um, so I'm a lifelong Rangers supporter. I go to games with my family, with my brother and my nephews. And over the years, I've taken various foster children to Ibrox because I was a foster carer. Uh, and I was a foster carer when I got into Club 1872. Um, I got involved because I wanted to sort of do my bit for the Rangers community. And at the time was quite concerned about the offensive behaviour at Football Act mm. and whether or not Rangers fans who were being targeted um by that act were getting any support so mm. I, I reached out to what was the supporters trust at the time they were just about to go through the merger with rangers first which saw the creation of club 1872 um, and i got involved in a working group mm. um, to look at various aspects of match day experience and from that got an interest in doing more and decided to stand for the board in 2016. So what year was that that you got involved? It was 2016, so okay. that was the year that the okay. merger happened. So right. previously there were um, four or five fans groups. The main two that people will, will probably know are Rangers First and the Rangers Supporters mm-hmm. Trust. Mm-hmm. And they amalgamated to create Club 1872. And the idea behind it was that, you know, we're, we're st- there's strength in numbers. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, one voice sort of acting as one and, yeah. Okay. You, you mentioned the the offensive behaviour, and I know this is, you know, this interview is not necessarily to anything to do with the Offensive Behaviour Act, but that's quite interesting. That's something that's cropped up again and again during our time as a sort yeah. of fans reg, uh, or representative body. How do you see that going, and you know, what's your position on it as a as an organisation? Yeah, well, we we think and and hope that it's on its way out. So we polled members, uh, I think in two thousand and sixteen, on whether or not mm. we should support. 
the repeal of the Offensive Behaviour Act and they voted overwhelmingly that we should. I think mm -hmm. it was something like 96 or 97% in favour of supporting the repeal. So we submitted um, evidence to the Justice Committee mm -hmm. recently. Um, we've done sort of various uh, press interviews and whatnot about it. Um, it's definitely something that Club 1872 members want to see the back of and it certainly looks like it's, it's mm -hmm. going in that mm -hmm. direction. Mm. Yeah, good, good. Okay. So um, looking through Club 872 and what it's set up to do, I mean, it's quite, it's a really interesting body and in how it's structured and, and what the kind of goals are. What are the immediate short-term things that you hope to achieve with the organisation? Yeah, so the short-term goal was to own 10% of the shares in Rangers Football Club and we achieved that target in the first year. So that mm. was something we were really proud of. Um, the next target for us is to maintain that percentage. Mm. We believe that there will be a share issue, um, certainly this year, perhaps as soon as you know two or three months from now. And we want to maintain that shareholding, um, maintain our position as the second largest shareholder yeah. in mm. Rangers Football mm. Club and grow the membership of Club 1872. The, mm. more, the more members we have, the more money we have to avoid dilution. Um, if there is a share issue, it won't, we, we believe it won't be an open share issue. We believe that only certain investors will be asked to take part. Mm. And the club have confirmed that Club 1872 will be on that list. Mm. So that's a great opportunity, but we still uh, there's still the potential for dilution there, um, depending on how many mm. how many shares we're talking about at that issue, and uh, but I think the important point is that there's a difference between dilution because the club won't allow you to take part in that yes. share issue and dilution because you don't have enough money to sure. maintain your shares. So, Club eighteen seventy two by its very nature is not something that people that Rangers supporters can sit back and you know, watch and see how it goes and if it's a success, maybe then they'll get involved. It can only yeah. be a success if people get involved. So the, yeah. the the next sort of short term aim that we have is to maintain the shareholding and we launched a campaign recently to, to get to a million pounds. That's our goal mm -hmm. to raise a million pounds to put directly into Rangers Football Club. And uh, we we're we're almost at the halfway point. I think we're four hundred and ten or four hundred and twenty thousand pounds towards fantastic. that. Yeah. 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 And the ten percent level that's significant. Does that give you board rep, boardroom representation at the, at the club? It doesn't. It doesn't automatically yeah. entitle you to that. Um, but it is something that we recently polled our members on. We asked if they wanted us to to pursue a place on the Rangers mm. board and they voted, again, an, an overwhelming result. They voted, I think, 97% in favour uh -huh. that we should. Yeah. So that's something that we have contacted the club about. We've had some positive dialogue and uh, if we have something substantive to put out to members on that, you know, mm. we would do that w mm. when we can. But it's not a process, as I say. It's not something that we are automatically entitled to. We maybe feel that we have, um, you know, the, the, the supporters investment in rangers is unparalleled mm -hmm. um so i think there might be an emotional feeling that we we are entitled to that but legally speaking i don't think yeah. we are um but that's certain that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask for it we're a major shareholder yeah. and we have every right i think to to mm. make the approach and that's what that's what we've done and mm. that and that 400 and something thousand pounds that gives you i i think i was checking up just the, the other day uh, 11 percent something like that of the, of the shares is that right we're 10.71 percent yeah. so just under yeah. 
just under yeah. 11%. But yeah. I think we've been very clear with Club 1872 members that this, the process of uh, attaining a, a, club, uh, a place on the RIFC board is something that may take some time. Mm-hmm. It's something that we would want to have meaningful discussions yeah. with, with the club about and, uh, and certainly consult with members on it about how that would work, how yeah. that person would be selected, yeah. what the term would be, that kind of thing. We're a members-led organisation, so we won't take this any further without having mm-hmm. meaningful consultation mm-hmm. with yeah. the members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck with that. That's Thank a, you. Sounds like a really valuable thing to do. I suppose as well, everything that the club's gone through, that's really important for supporters is to be able to have that kind of level of representation on the board of a club and be able to put forward fans' views just to make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen again. Absolutely. Um, one of the groups that, as I say, merged to for, with RAF to form Club 1872 was the Rangers Supporters Trust and they were famously very vocal, you know, particularly around the time of, of David Murray and, and ran campaigns and you know issued public statements. And that was great at the time. I was a member of the trust, you know, fully supportive of that. But we are in a position that no previous Rangers fans group has ever achieved. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a shareholding behind us that, that means that we're looking at fan representation. You know, yeah. we we don't have to sort of we're not on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. We don't have to communicate with the pub the club via public public statement um so yeah it's about how we used how we use that shareholding yeah yeah absolutely and second largest shareholding is not an unsubstantial you know (laughs) statistic that's really impressive that you've managed to achieve that in such a period short short period of time it was myself and joanne who were involved Mm. and joanne percival um who's who's still on the board uh we're both in our second term now and it was us who were directly involved in that share purchase and you know it was a moment that I will never forget. Mm. You know when we when we realised particularly who it was that was uh, selling the shares. Sure. You know it was Mash Holdings, and we knew the significance of that for the club, but also for Club eighteen seventy two. It was a, a real, I mean, a joyous moment. Mm. I don't mm. use that word lightly, but it was it was a great moment. Mash and Holdings is Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley, right? yeah. yeah. Um, but and this is going to sound cheesy, but it's true. It's something that every Club eighteen seventy two member should be genuinely proud of mm. because this was not. Club eighteen seventy two that bought those shares, that was that was Rangers supporters mm, who came yeah. together as one unified group, and removed that influence mm. uh, from the club. And yeah. as I say, we can't underestimate or underplay the significance mm. of that. And it's something that you know people said, people I think continue to say that fan ownership and fan representation won't really work in Scotland, but. Mm. As a united group of Rangers supporters, we have started to prove them wrong, and that was a significant mm. moment in Club 1872's yeah. development. Mm. I think even yesterday I was reading in this the latest issue of Football Pink, which Alan has contributed to, which yeah. is a small plug for that, if anyone's uh, <laughs> Great listening. magazine, yeah. really well written. Absolutely, and this one's all about kind of... Um, fan involvement and mm-hmm. fan ownership and there was a bit in there about the problem with modern day football being that people that don't have any kind of interest in the football clubs themselves and those the communities that those football clubs come from and you know business interest basically overruling mm-hmm. that so that must have been a huge sense of relief when there was somebody that clearly had no interest in the best wishes of the club uh, had a business interest first and foremost to sort of see the back of that is yeah yeah we knew the significance huge achievement of yeah. yeah absolutely um I was going to ask you, but one thing I'd noticed on your, your list of things that you want to achieve, your ambitions, you've mentioned safe standing on the website, which is really interesting that we've we've paid a lot of interest to over the years as well. How's that going? And I saw a news article that says you're kind of interested to explore that further through your projects. Fund. Yeah, so that's exactly it. It's something that we want to look at further. Um, we've launched a, a survey in conjunction with the union bears to try to gauge 
the level of uh, interest in taking a ticket in a safe standing section because mm. there are lots of people who generally support it but might not want actually to purchase a season yeah, ticket yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but it's not something as an organisation that we are either for or against because that would be a key decision. We'd have to put that to members. So it's something that we could potentially fund as a project. We currently have £300,000 in the bank for, for projects and that money is legally ring-fenced there for projects. Mm. Um, and if it came to the point where we were you know, ready to um, to fund that as a project, we would put it to members for a mm, vote and yeah. it would be up to members whether or not they wanted. But it's certainly something that we understand there is an interest in within yeah. the support and we want to, to help take that further. Yeah. So maybe you've got two key assets there. You've got the money to, to do it, but you've also got access to a, a widespread... Um, take on the on the, the opinion of the supporters which I, yeah. I think is almost a bigger asset than just having the money to do it yeah um, opinions are, are you know are vary on it you know there are some concerns around whether the money would be better spent on um, for example improving disabled facilities at the club mm. and that's a genuine sure. concern um we have a projects group in place that's looking at lots of other projects that we might be able to launch in the near future um and i know that they've been working closely with liz k who's the disability liaison officer mm at the club um but yeah it's definitely something that we want to look into and yeah. take forward and ultimately hopefully put to a member's vote mm. so tell us about that that sort of divide between your projects fund and the and the share purchase fund so one of the great things about club 1872 is that members get to decide where their money goes so when you sign up you can either have um most of your money go to shares or to projects or you can split them between both we take a five percent admin charge and that pays for office rent uh, we have one full-time admin assistant at the organization who's a godsend <laughs> uh, shout out to lil in the club <laughs> 1872 the office <laughs> um and uh, so so yeah we take the five percent admin charge which is very low i think by sort of similar mm. industry industry standards and i think as well sorry to interrupt i think as well just shows the level of professionalism you're at as well you know that that's a huge sum of money that you're clearly turning over every month but you've also got that kind of level of professionalism to handle that and administrate that properly so yeah, that's really yeah. you know i don't know any other organization that, that does that in, mm. in terms of you know fan involvement yeah well one of the things that we had to do after the merger was a huge admin task to look at the membership numbers and whether they were accurate we had to verify and update the data mm. that had been passed to us by previous supporters groups and um, particularly with raf rangers first because i think it took off in a way that nobody had anticipated or predicted um, and it was run by volunteers so they had a very basic mm. uh, admin system and IT system um, they had a ticker on their website that went okay. up every time someone joined but it didn't go down right. when people <laughs> uh, when people left um, so we had a huge admin task and it took us it took us about a year and that wasn't just Lil uh, doing that that was myself and Joanne Percival we were very involved in the admin mm. side of things as well but we've got to a point where we know that everyone who we count as a member mm. is either an active member of Club 1872 or a life member of one of the previous mm -hmm. organisations. So mm. things are shipshape on the admin side of things. But yeah, so to go back to the question, um, the default position, if you choose to, to tick that box when you join up, is that 47.5% of your contribution will go to shares, 47.5% to projects. But you can choose to have outside the admin fee for it all to go to projects mm. or for it all to go to shares yeah. and the shares and projects um money 
is for are for community interest companies, mm. mm-hmm. which means that they are legally ring fenced. There's asset locks. Asset lock yeah, yeah there's, we have asset locks on the money. We can't spend them in, in on anything other than projects yeah. and shares. And there's yeah. a, a regulator that oversees everything mm. that we do as yeah. a community interest company. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's all above board and regulated externally as as well as managed professionally internally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But for me, the, the one of the great things, as I say, about Club eighteen seventy two is that it's so simple. You, you know, we take your money, um, so we take a pound from you, five per, five pence of it will go to admin. Forty seven you choose the default position, forty seven point five pence will go to shares, forty seven point five percent to admin uh, to projects. They're, they're ring-fenced in uh, appropriate bank accounts and they can't be spent on anything mm. else. It's yeah. really very simple. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that's what... Uh, we had um, Dave Nicolon from Smizer from St Mary's Supporters Trust on the show near the start when we started yeah. the podcast. And they've got something similar that he was explaining, which is about you have a £12 monthly membership fee, mm-hmm. £2 of that goes to a pot that members then vote on, which sounds very similar. Yeah. But what I really love about you is you, you can actually choose which way you want to go, that slider, yeah. you know, that's yeah. completely up. That's that's another step further, isn't it, in terms of democratisation? I've heard about final mm. certainly in Scotland, I think that's that's unique. Well, because we have we have Ranger supporters who say, I'm not interested in shares. Sure, sure. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. You know, you say things like, oh, we might get diluted and they don't, they say, I don't understand what that means. I just want to I know. I just want to help the club. I just want to help mm-hmm. the club. I yeah. just want to know that money is going mm-hmm. directly into the club. And people say to us, could we have a, 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 a model that's more like Foundation of Hearts? Mm. People read that they're given £125,000, I think, a month yeah. working capital to, to the club. And they say, we want to put money directly into Rangers. So we can do that as well. We can do that through projects. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, because most of the projects that we're looking at, the money would go directly into mm. Rangers. But they all all have to be for the benefit of the Rangers sure, community. Yeah. Um, but, but there are other supporters who say, I'm only interested in the shares because... Mm understandably we don't yeah. want, want what happened in 2012 yeah. to ever happen again mm. our long-term goal is 25 percent plus mm. one share and that would ensure that no one can compulsively buy the, the club right. so yes. the club is protected um mm. through the purchase of shares and um, but you're absolutely right you know it means that whatever your preference is you're covered and we have people who recently have changed their default positions so that they're just donating for shares at the moment, but they've said that they'll go back yeah. to splitting. Once it gets to a certain level, once, maybe. Once we've, because yeah. the short-term goal, as I said, is to maintain the shareholding right. at the next yeah. year purchase. So for the duration of this campaign, some people are choosing to put so their money directly. That you yeah. can no, change it. That's you can really change nice. it uh-huh. as many times as you like. It's uh-huh. just a simple so, click of so the button. It's a really nice, simple, structural way to to bring different interests together mm. saying so you don't have to choose to yeah. join this group or that group exactly. because they mm. want different things you can choose where your money goes within exactly. one structure yeah and it's entirely mm. it's entirely democratic you yes. know, so yeah, it yeah. doesn't it means that you know you don't have to be part of a group that supports that, that purchases shares if that's not mm. your bag yeah. Um, yeah so we think it's yeah. we think that we have a, a model that works for for Rangers supporters, for the club, for the Rangers community. Mm. What, I, what I really love about that is that increases your relevance as an organisation to fans that, as you say, a lot of fans, it, it's sometimes wrong of us to assume that every fan cares about governance and ownership. Lots of fans <laughs> don't. They just want to turn up on a three o'clock and watch their team, yeah. which is absolutely fine. And I think there's we assume that everyone does, but lots don't. And I've, been, I've been made made painfully aware of it repeatedly over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure has been boring them over a beer or so. But um, what I love about this is everyone can appreciate some of those other aspects of yeah. supporting a club, and so you know the safe standing or the disability access. There are other things that you can appreciate going to watch your team, and that and and you know if they're not interested. 
interested in buying shares, they might have an interest in doing something else within the stadium or within the community. Yeah. So it just increases your relevance as an organisation. Yeah, that's exactly it. I suppose you can't be all things to all people, sure. but you can try and accommodate the Rangers or your own support you know, as much yeah. as you can. And I mm. think that's what we've tried to do. That's not to say that the people that you've just described, that we don't have a responsibility to speak to them sure. about the importance of yep. shares because it is one of the key foundations of Club 1872. It's one of our key goals. So that's one of the, the, the main messages of our campaign is that through this share issue, it's not just about keeping those numbers. What does that yeah. 10% actually mean? Mm, yeah. It means that we will become major investors in the club because every time there's a share issue, when that call comes for the support to invest, we mm. will be there. Like any of the other investors on the current yeah. board, we will be ready mm. to make that investment. And one of the things I one of the things I find frustrating as a club eighteen seventy two director is when people say we I see people on the internet saying we need investment, and I would like to say to them, do you have five pounds a month to spare? <laughs> yeah. And if they sure, say yes, yeah. I say then you can be that investor. So, but you don't need to be a millionaire to invest yeah. millions of pounds directly into Rangers Football Club. You just need to be one of many, mm. putting as much as you can per month mm. away. We bank it, and as I said, it's it's legally ring-fenced for shares. And when that call comes to invest, we're going to be ready like any of the investors on, mm-hmm. on the current board. Mm. I think as well what's nice about that is lots of supporters trust in the past, and I suppose Smyzer have addressed this as well to some extent, but you know, lots of community, they're set up as community benefit society and you're a community interest company. So that part, that aspect of community is really fundamental to mm-hmm. you as an organisation. But lots of trusts haven't been able to perhaps strike the balance between buying shares and making sure that you get ownership, but also wanting to do good things within the community yeah. and, and, you know, their their role as being that bridge, that vehicle between yeah. the two. Mm-hmm. Whereas this gives everyone, uh, you know, the, the opportunity yeah. to actually choose what, what their priority is. Yeah, no, I, a great deal of thought went into yeah. the model that we've created and we for example funded a project to send 100 young people mm. um, to ranger soccer schools last summer mm. and that was a really proud moment for us because we understand and appreciate the importance of youth development mm. um, so that's about the rangers community and as i say the project's kick is asset locked so that we have to we have to evidence to the regulator the community interest company regulator mm. that the projects we're paying for are in the interests of the Rangers community. Yeah. And we have a projects group that investigates members' ideas, um, assesses them. We then have a board in place that overlooks that process and, and we then put it as a sort of, there's a triple lock, if you like. We we put that to members mm. for a final vote. But there's also the regulator who looks at that um, because community is important to mm. us. So the project side of things is a really good way yeah. to, to support the Rangers community. Mm. Yeah. So that was your that was your first project. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen recently you've got a second project underway. We part funded uh, the restoration of a Tom Valance painting. So Tom Valance was one of the founding fathers of Rangers Football Club, and um, a, a painting, a Tom Valance painting, was discovered and it was not in Great Nick. Um, so we part funded the restoration of that painting, and um, it will be hung pride of place on the marble staircase. And we will invite, I think, 10 or 15 members. It'll be a random draw. Whoever applies, we'll pick them at random and they'll be able to come and see the unveiling mm. of that. But again, that's that's important to us because it's about the Rangers community. It's about protecting and maintaining those important parts of Rangers Football yeah. Club's great history. Mm. So this all sounds very good. What kind of challenges do you face going forward, do you think? What are the kind of the biggest issues that you think you might address in the near future? I think the biggest challenge we face is the mindset within 
not just the Rangers support, but in Scottish football, mm. um, or maybe just football generally. You know, we see the huge leagues and you know in Europe, um, you know, money, TV money pouring in, mm. and um, we're in a different position. You know, we have to play to our strengths, yeah. and our biggest strength at, at, at Rangers is the the size and loyalty of our support. So we have to play to that strength. And but I think there's a mindset that there's always a sugar daddy yeah. out there that someone's going to come in and sort of do do the hard work for you. Um, but actually, as I'm saying, hard work. As I said earlier, it's not even that hard. You know, it's a very simple model. You can put from as little as five pounds a month in, but potentially we create massive investment, mm. significant yeah. funds to be direct, directed into the football club. But yeah, I think there is a mindset that we have to, to challenge. I think there is maybe a, a fundamental misunderstanding of what Club 1872 is about because, as I said, people look at it and think, I'm not quite sure about that. Maybe they had experiences with the Rangers Trust or the Rangers Supporters Trust or RAF that, mm. you know, that particular model wasn't for them or they don't trust some of the personalities that have been involved. Um, but this is something that can only work if we get behind it. Mm. And I suppose it's about asking ourselves what our priorities are. Mm. Look back to 2012 and think, if we could have paid a five or a month to prevent that from happening, would we have done it? Would it have mattered to us that so-and-so was on the board and I wasn't quite sure of him? There's a much, much bigger picture and that's what Club 1872 is about and I suppose it's about as a sport trying to trying to stay focused on what that bigger picture is. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're also an, an organisation in its infancy. This The second board, we had some difficulties in the first year. I have to say from a personal point of view, it has not been easy I mean it's been really difficult at times challenging takes up more of your time than you could ever imagine and when you really care about it which I think everyone who has been involved at Club 1872 does regardless of you know what they've brought to it or what their personalities were we all come into it because we really care about it and that can make it very very difficult when challenges rear their heads but we have a a, a new board in place and um, we've been the new board's been in place since October I think um, we've spent a lot of time just sort of getting to know each other building relationships we delivered a presentation to the membership and, and put it out publicly at the beginning of this month and that is essentially a business plan that's where we want to go as an organisation we are making a step change within Club 1872 and move away from reactionary statements towards an investment model to put money directly into Rangers Football Club but you know that has been one of the challenges I think that it didn't take off the way that we maybe anticipated or hoped it would it was a personal frustration of mine because I thought we would hit the ground running mm. you know, and then we come into this and there's actually this huge admin task to do um, and it just wouldn't have been sensible to start a membership drive, for example, on foundations that weren't that weren't strong enough. So sure. we worked on creating a working model for the organisation, doing that sort of infrastructure building behind the scenes. And that must have been frustrating, I think, for the Rangers support mm. because it maybe looked like nothing was happening behind the scenes. But actually, in the last few weeks, we have delivered a vision that we we hope that the Rangers support will get behind mm. and it's it's up to us now just to take that forward and keep plugging away at, at the goals. Mm. Uh, regarding that shift from being mm -hmm. sort of in a reactionary sort of um, 
mode of making public statements yeah. to being in a position where you're investing gradually in the club. Can you tell us a bit about the relationship the Club 1872 has with the board of the football club? Sure. I would say that we have a healthy relationship with the club. We have not been afraid to challenge the club at times. We have asked some very challenging questions of them. Um, but more recently, we made the decision that we would move away from a Q&A style uh, dialogue with the club because it's not really working. Um, what it involves is us going to the club and saying we are not happy or the support is not happy or the support is concerned about a decision that's already been made and there are times where the club give us an answer that satisfies the support but there's times where they can't give as much information as they want to because there are commercial sensitivities or legal restrictions or whatever. They have always been great about giving us as much information as they can give us um, but it doesn't allow us to have any influence over decision makings okay. and we believe that fan investment and fan representation can and should go hand in hand so we want to move away from those sort of reactionary statements mm. we don't need to operate from the outside looking in um, we can be part of the decision making process mm. at Rangers I, I, I always kind of seen it at other clubs and I always think of it as the role of being a critical friend rather than an opponent or somebody trying to put pressure or trying to and kind of knock heads with, with, with the football club if you can actually get a closer relationship but still be able to be critical yeah. um, but in a constructive way. So I think that's what I mean when I say it's a healthy relationship yeah. mm. um, it, it, it's not a relationship that depends on us being compliant um, and mm. I think that's a good thing yeah. um, but it's about it's about how we offer that criticism where mm. criticism is due um, it's about how we hold the board to account, do we do it by angry statement well, we don't need to, and also, what does it achieve? Yeah. It, it simply validates our feelings as a support. Yeah. You maybe read a statement that says we are concerned about the managerial situation, for example, back in December, and people would have no doubt read it and nodded their heads and thought, "Yeah, oh, yeah, that's how I feel." Mm -hmm. But actually, would it have achieved mm -hmm. anything? Would anything? it? Would 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 yeah. there be any meaningful dialogue there? Mm -hmm. Probably not. So we did mm -hmm. put those concerns to the board in December, but we put them in what we believe was an appropriate way. But we believe that we can do better. We believe that the club can do better um, and they're open to dialogue on that mm. there's been no resistance so far to to anything that we've put to them so it's something that we will look at and develop but as I said earlier always in consultation with mm. members so it's a major step for the organisation and it's one that we would approach cautiously. Mm. So uh, it's at this stage of the podcast so we usually ask our guests if they could change one thing about football what would it be? Football or or the club? Football. Scottish, Scottish, football. Scottish football, sorry. Um, I, I think I would I think I would change the way we are portrayed, the way football fans are portrayed, mm -hmm. not just in the media, but even politically. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Offensive Behaviour at Football Act has um, perpetuated this myth that football fans are somehow different yeah. from any other supporter of any other club or not allowed yeah. to drink in football stadiums. Um, there's been no major incident at a football match since 1981, so we are decades on from that. There have been programmes of um, investment at clubs, you know, in tackling uh, sectarianism, bigotry, um, antisocial behaviour. Mm. I know that Rangers do a lot of work. The Charity Foundation are very heavily involved in, uh, you know, promoting Rangers mm. within the community. Um, but I don't think I think the the uh, the offensive behaviour at football act has not helped. So I say we're not um, we're not allowed to drink at football stadiums. You can be criminalised for behaviour at a football stadium that would be 
totally acceptable anywhere else. Not just at a football stadium, but if you're travelling to mm. and from a ma- or from a match. I heard a story about supporters who'd come over uh, from Ireland or Northern Ireland and they were they had stayed a night in a hotel and then were travelling back the next day and got into some sort of altercation or argument at the airport over the price of a coffee or something and someone phoned the police. But by the time the police got there, uh, the, the situation had been resolved. And the waitress said, it's absolutely fine, no problem at all. And this, uh, what I heard was that the police were content to leave it until they heard that they were travelling home from a football match and they said, oh, you know, unfortunately we have to, we have to look at this as... Um, offensive behaviour at wow. football yeah. um, so it just seems like utter madness to me and if they had just been in Glasgow for any other reason mm. they would not have been they wouldn't have been, would been criminalised and yeah. that's not to say that I personally or Club 1872 supports antisocial or sectarian no, behaviour yeah, absolutely yeah. not um, it's just about it's about fairness and it's about uh, football fans being treated like, mm. like any other member yeah. of society because as I say I was a foster carer for 10 years um, up until very recently and I took many foster children to Ibrox of all different ethnicities and religious backgrounds and they always felt safe and happy there and I have experienced Rangers supporters the vast majority of them to be honest decent caring hard-working genuine people who just want to support their team um, and I think it's unfortunate that the media and even politically in Scotland there are mm. there are suggestions otherwise mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good good thing to change certainly I, that's one of the things we, I think we also submit we, well, we did submit evidence to the Justice Committee on the Offensive Behaviour Act and again our point was always that it's you know, we're not supportive of antisocial behaviour, but what we are supportive of is football fans not being treated like any other type of, you know, person in society. Absolutely, and I think that's, that's all football fans want as yeah. well. And yeah. if you look at, even if you look at all the people that have been on the podcast, the amount of money that they would have put into their communities, those fans groups put into their communities, and, you know, I think it's just a shame that that side of the game isn't as highly publicised because the probably the economic impact and the social impact of football is huge, but it yeah. goes unreported, as you say. Yeah. So. No, I know we work very closely with the Charity Foundation, mm. um, and I know that Connell and all the guys there do a lot of hard work um, out and about in the community, collecting for food banks and walking football projects and various things that most people outside of the Rangers community probably don't get mm. to hear about, and that's unfortunate because it, it benefits not just the Rangers community, but also the local community and, and throughout Scotland. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us, Laura. Really appreciate yeah. you coming. Thank you through. for really having good me. To talk to you. Thank you. So that was Laura from Club eighteen seventy two. Um, I thought that was a really interesting chat. I didn't know too much about the structure of Club eighteen seventy two before we we talked to Laura. Um, so I've learned a lot, and hopefully, um, I think what Laura's done there is make it really really simple to understand the structure of uh, of the group. Um, if you want, if you're a Ranger supporter and you're not a member already and like to find out some more. Um, you can go to club1872.co.uk, um, find out some more and join that organisation. Mm. So in the podcast, we mentioned um, uh, the latest issue of the Football Pink, which is available to buy. I think, judging by their Twitter feed, they've actually almost sold out, which is good. Oh, I haven't been on Twitter today, so I hadn't seen yeah, that. That's yeah, good. so they've had a, they must have had a good reaction to it. But this, this, this quarter, is it quarterly? I think it's a quarterly uh, publication. It's a quarterly publication. Um, and each, qu- each quarter, the, the magazine has a different theme. So this one is called Never Mind the Oligarchs, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about punk football. So a lot of sort of touch points to things that we've talked about uh, on the podcast here. So there's an article by Jim Keown, 
who I think was our first episode. First ever episode. Uh, there's an, an article there about Lewis FC, um, not with Stuart, who we spoke to, but somebody else who's involved there, uh, taking quite a different view of Lewis FC than, mm. uh, than our conversation with Stuart. But it's, it's interesting to see those different yeah, perspectives. Yeah. Um, a nice uh, piece about the start of Supporters Direct as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. And and your good self is featured. Yeah, yet another article about Wraith Rovers for those <laughs> who are not, not bored enough yet. Um, but some really nice coverage of the work that you've done with the Supporters Trust in, in terms of uh, opening up the, who owns what at Wraith Rovers and, and then later you know, with the, the SD Scotland Index that we run. That's right, yeah. I mean, I was really sort of giving a, a, a very brief run-through of the ownership changes at, at Wraith Rovers over the last... 35 years, uh, how we got to be in crisis in the early part of this century uh, and actually how we got to be in a bit of a crisis just last year again uh, that brought around some more ownership changes and how that inspired me to go looking for that kind of information about more than just Wraith Rovers and, and, and start to build to get, build the Sports Direct Scotland Index. Mm. Which is, I think, probably worthy of a podcast in itself one day. I yeah, you can you that. can interview me one day. Well, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you can come on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, you did, of course, also win the Richard Lillycrap Award. For oh, your... stop it, stop uh, it. Just uh, <laughs> the old SD Scotland Index for your, for your commitment and dedication to helping fans of other clubs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still um, uncomfortable about that. You're blushing. Yeah, not as much as I was when I uh, was sitting hungover at the <laughs> Supporters Direct UK conference and suddenly my name got read out and I had to stand up in a room full of people. Um, so, no, go and check out the latest issue of The Football Pink. Really interesting stuff if you're in, if, you know, at all interested in this area of stuff, which I imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. So it'd be some good additional reading if you're keen. It's and got, I think it's only £3 as well. So yeah, that's, that's right. I think you, think you can get it online as well. You can read a, read a, a, a PDF version of it. Mm. Uh, it's more at the fanzine end of the market in terms of its style. I, I don't mean that in a in a negative way, um, but it's... It's put together. It's got the it's got the feel of a fanzine, which I really like, uh, rather than the sort of uh, really glossy um, bound magazines like Four Four Two or, th- or 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 even when Saturday comes, or the feel of Nutmeg or Blizzard. If you read those ones, so it's a different mm. feel to it. Mm. Um, the articles are a little bit shorter, um, but there's an Im- immense amount of material covered in mm. uh, in the magazine. And we almost forgot to mention Duncan Mackay's also got a piece in there. Oh, I've not got to that he's part next, of it yet. He's next to you. Is he? Yeah. Ah, right. I stopped when I got to me. <laughs> Actually, I That's, started when I got to me as well. Says everything about you, Alan, not being a team player. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sorry, for Duncan. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode. We'll be back. We're not sure with... Oh, no. i tell you who we'll be back with next week. That will be uh, Brian Jackson. Ah, oh, Brian Jackson. So yeah. um, we look forward to bringing you our interview with him then yeah fresh from off the ball fresh from off the ball absolutely until then see you later bye behind the goals is a supporters direct scotland podcast you can get in touch with the show by emailing behind the goals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at sup direct scott that's s-u-p-p direct scott 